This is episode 654 of the AWS podcast, released on February 26, 2024. Hi everyone, welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lee here with you. Great to have you back. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Gillian Ford. G'day, Gillian. How are you doing? Always awesome to be here. That is the way. And Shruti is missing today. She's got a customer meeting that she's doing. In fact, it's an all-day workshop. So, you know, one of the the features I hope of our podcast is we do real work. <laughs> we don't just talk about stuff, Jillian, do we? Actually, yeah. we actually have real jobs. <laughs> For sure. And I guess the load balancing joke is never going to get old yep. between us as like the hosts and being able to distribute evenly across we regions. We are three AZs. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's get started with the topic of the AWS Marketplace. The AWS Marketplace now supports managing private marketplace catalogs for organizational units. So this means as a customer, you can create, manage, and govern your private marketplace catalogs for organizational units within your AWS organization. So this means you can choose the approved third-party software that's available in the marketplace for not just your overall organization, but your organizational units. And AWS Marketplace sellers can now access their tax documents in the AWS Marketplace Management Portal. So this includes the 1099-K form and the DAC7 report for the tax year. Tax, you got to love it. Let's talk about analytics. We're happy to introduce Amazon Data Firehose, formerly known as Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose. So we're renaming it. And Amazon Data Firehose is hopefully for you the easiest way to capture, transform, and deliver data streams into Amazon S3, Amazon Redshift, Amazon Open Search Service, Splunk, Snowflake, and other third-party analytics services. Now, the name change is effective in the AWS Management Console, the documentation, and the service web pages. There's no other changes, including service endpoints, APIs, the CLI, IAM policies, and CloudWatch metrics. Your existing applications will continue to work as they did previously. What's that joke about there's only two difficult things in computing, and one of them is naming things? I think we're, we're into that. So... Well done, team, for not changing the name. Now, you can reduce the complexity of maintaining your streaming data delivery pipeline. So Amazon Data Firehose will manage the provisioning and the scaling of resources for you. It integrates with Kinesis Data Streams, Amazon Managed Streaming for Kafka, and over 20 other AWS sources to ingest streaming data. You can also ingest data directly from your own data sources using the direct put API, and you can transform your data streams into format like Parquet and Orc, and dynamically partition data to write to Amazon S3 destination buckets with different prefixes using metadata attributes. All this is important for performance, and you pay only for the amount of data you process through the service with no minimum fee or setup cost. And Amazon Data Firehose also now enables you to select a time zone for bucket prefixes when delivering streams to Amazon S3. So you can add a UTC time prefix depending on what you need to do. Amazon MSK now supports in-place version upgrades for tiered storage enabled clusters. So you can upgrade to the latest Apache Kafka version 3.6, which supports production grade tiered storage as well. Amazon EMR on EC2 now supports retrieval of 10,000 steps completed within the last seven days. Sounds like a good way to stay fit, keep your step count up. So now you can get it, get up to 10,000 steps, which is increased from the previous limit of 1,000 steps. AWS Glue Data Catalog now supports delegating KMS key permissions to an IAM role. Amazon Redshift has announced support for the interval data type and continue handler statements in stored procedures. So the interval data type lets you specify periods of, or ranges of time like 12 hours, six weeks, or one month. 
And the continue handlers let you have better control over the execution flow within stored procedures. And this new exception handler enables applications to handle exceptions inside the stored procedure more gracefully to simplify the programming model. And Amazon Redshift has been busy. They announced auto and incremental materialized views for sharing consumer tables. They have also announced programmatic access to advisor recommendations via the API and support for H3 indexing and related spatial grid indexing functions. Amazon Open Search Service now lets you update cluster volume without blue-green deployment, so you can make it even easier without having to have a blue-green approach, depending on your style. And Amazon Open Search Service now supports TLS 1.3 and perfect forward secrecy. So this allows you to maintain very strong degrees of protection and help customers encrypt the traffic end-to-end -end by enforcing HTTPS. And we recommend that folks use TLS 1.3 wherever they can. And Amazon Open Search Service now offers improved visibility into domain updates. You can see granular status values representing different stages of an update. You can simplify your monitoring and automation on configuration changes. Knowledge is power. And so now you can see a lot more information than ever before. Now, the good thing is, again, backward compatible. One of the important things is don't break stuff that people are already doing. If your automations rely on the old processing attribute, it will continue to work. However, we recommend you move to the new statuses as soon as you can, because they are better. Simon, you are nailing it with these jokes. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the weekend. Oh, IT jokes, man. I tell you, there's nothing funnier than IT jokes. I tell you. <laughs> uh, application integration. So AWS AppSync introduces 12 new Amazon CloudWatch metrics for enhanced monitoring. AWS AppSync now offers more metrics to provide more granular visibility into usage and performance. The Enhanced Customer Metrics feature, this includes new optional metrics that give developers a detailed view of AppSync requests and error counts, latency, and cache hits and misses. We've also introduced two new cache metrics to help diagnose network and CPU throughput issues. Metrics can be enabled for the full request or on a per component basis. AWS AppSync now supports environment variables in GraphQL resolvers and functions. Customers that use Amazon SNS can now host their applications in Spain, Zurich, the UAE, Hyderabad, and the Melbourne regions and send text messages to consumers in more than 200 countries and territories. Using Amazon SNS, customers can send a message directly to one phone number or multiple phone numbers at once by subscribing those phone numbers to a topic and sending messages to the topic. And last, Amazon SQS launches the extended client library for Python to support payloads up to two gigabytes. Next, we've got blockchain. So Amazon Managed Blockchain Query now supports Amazon CloudWatch usage metrics, enabling customers to monitor their Amazon Managed Blockchain Query API usage. With CloudWatch usage metrics, customers can now create alarms to be notified when their applications are approaching an Amazon Managed Blockchain Query API service quota and visualize their usage in CloudWatch dashboards. Usage metrics for Amazon Managed Blockchain Query are available at no additional cost and are always enabled. Customers can view their current usage metrics using the CloudWatch console as well as the CLI and SDK. 
Now the next topic is business applications. So a quick one is AWS App Fabric now supports Cisco Duo and Terraform. Alrighty, let's talk a bit about compute. AWS Batch now supports private registry on ECS compute environments. So you can pull images from your own private registry within Batch. AWS Fargate has announced a price reduction, my favorite topic, for Windows containers on Amazon ECS. So they have reduced infrastructure pricing by up to 49%. That's a lot of percentage. So Fargate simplifies the adoption of modern container technology for ECS customers by making it even easier to run their Windows containers on AWS. So you don't have to set up scaling groups, manage host instances, etc. That's so 2011. Now you can do it automatically and cheaper. We are happy to introduce the messaging API for the AWS SimSpace Weaver app SDK. So with the API, developers can communicate directly between simulation applications running on SimSpace Weaver. Now, you can use it to interact at any distance across the spatial simulation to change the state or behavior of entities. Every messaging also includes a header that contains information about the message sender, and you can use this information to send replies upon receiving a message. Now, while messaging is not a replacement for connecting clients to custom apps, it does give users a method of forwarding data from custom apps with client connections to other apps that do not have external connections. It's a pretty interesting capability. We're also happy to announce disruption controls for Carpenter. So if you use the Elastic Kubernetes service, you have a new way to control how and when disruptive changes are made to the EC2 instances in your cluster. And a quick update on the topic of customer engagement. Amazon Connect now adds more flexibility to copying agent schedules. So managers can now copy an agent schedule to a future date for the same agent. They can copy schedules across different teams or group of agents, and they can now easily insert shifts for agents who do not have a published schedule yet. So scheduling, again, one of those problems. Maybe that was the other problem besides naming things with scheduling. Next up. Databases. So Amazon RDS for DB2 now supports auditing for DB2 databases. When enabled, RDS for DB2 stores the audit logs in S3 to meet your long-term retention policies. The audit log retention in S3 and other auditing categories can be configured in option group through rdsadmin.configure.db.audit. Remember that one everyone sort of procedure you can get it tattooed to your wrist if you want <laughs> <laughs> amazon rds from mysql supports the new minor version 8.0.36 amazon document db with mongodb compatibility now add support for maintenance notifications to provide users visibility into scheduled maintenance activities on their amazon document db clusters Users can now receive near real-time notifications of scheduled maintenance activities through health events in AWS Health Dashboard in the AWS console and through emails. And the last, Amazon DocumentDB with MongoDB compatibility now supports text search. Let's move on to developer tools. Code Pipeline now supports additional trigger filters and some new execution modes. So there is now parallel and queued execution modes. And the trigger filters enable customers using sources from github.com, github enterprise server, bitbucket.com, GitLab, and GitLab self-managed to control when a pipeline execution should be triggered. 
So you have much more control over the processing of things. If you're not automating your builds, you're missing out. It is the way to do things. We're also happy to introduce pull request approval rules in Amazon Code Catalyst. So now you can configure and enforce a minimum number of pull request approvals required before source code can be merged to the destination branch. And this lets you promote a high quality bar for changes in your code base. Let's talk a bit about end user computing. Amazon AppStream 2.0 has added support for session scripts and audio out in multi-session fleets. So this allows you to make better use of your instance resources, and you can now specify your own custom actions when a specified event occurs in user streaming sessions, and you can control what they experience. So you can do lots of different things like gathering logs for a program, keeping an eye on session information while the session is going on, cleaning up an application at the end, lots of stuff. And Amazon AppStream 2.0 now supports administrative control for limiting a clipboard. So you can independently specify the maximum number of characters up to 20,971,520. There's another number to tattoo to yourself that can be transferred in and out of the session via the clipboard functionality. We're happy to announce support for IDP initiated SSO with Amazon Workspaces Web. So this gives you more options in defining the sign-in flow for your users. And AWS Wicker now allows you to try premium features for free. So you can now try the features available under the standard and premium plans for up to three months at no cost. The free trial is available as an option when you create or manage a Wicker network. And if you've not come across Wicker, it's an end-to-end -end encrypted messaging and collaboration service with features designed to help you keep your communication secure, private, and compliant. It has some very, very cool features in that domain. It's a good call on Wicker. I feel like it's one of those services that a lot of customers don't really know about, but I mean, useful, right? Very. I, I, it's one of the things I use every day in my work. So I know Wicker well. Oh, no way. Yeah. We've got one quick update for front-end web and mobile. API Gateway now supports version 1.3 of TLS protocol on its REST, HTTP, and WebSocket endpoints. TLS 1.3 on API Gateway works by offloading encryption and decryption of TLS traffic from your application servers to API Gateway with AWS Certificate Manager for centralized deployment of SSL certificates using TLS. TLS 1.3, all the things. Speaking of the things, the Internet of Things, AWS IoT Core now supports online certificate status protocol stapling for server certificates. So if that's something you need to do, helps with revocation and handshaking and other stuff, then you can. A couple of quick updates in the world of machine learning. If you've logged on to Amazon Bedrock console lately, you'll notice it has a modern look and feel. The updated UI improves usability, responsiveness, and accessibility. And the console now provides more seamless support for dark mode, which is the mode that I prefer. So I was very happy with that change. There is also a new Amazon polyneural Turkish voice. I'm going to mispronounce it, I'm sure. Berku, I think is the way. It is a Turkish neural text-to-speech female voice for Amazon Poly. I'm so glad you were on the same page about dark mode. That would have been a tough one. Yeah, we, it, we could have had a big argument about that. But yeah, dark mode is, <laughs> is the thing that uh, has saved my eyes in my elderly years. Oh, me too. I think it makes it hard for other people to work with me. Maybe if you can relate to when you change the font, different colors. <laughs> well, I could make it blinking. Blinking is always an option. <laughs> that's, that's true. And on to management and governance. 
So AWS Control Tower introduces APIs to register organizational units. So customers can now programmatically extend government governance to organizational units via APIs. So these new APIs enable the AWS Control Tower baseline, which contains best practice configurations, controls, and resources required for Control Tower governance. Now, I'll admit, this was one that I was going through and I was like, you know, I actually don't really understand it. So Simon, I know this is something that you've yeah. worked with a lot of customers on with Control Tower. So I'd love to hear your just opinion on this one and what you've seen. Yeah, this is super exciting because firstly, it's API driven and, and everything in the world should be API driven, including myself. But what's really interesting is that, you know, the management of organizational units in large organizations is always a nightmare because organizations change over time. So everyone sets up their organizational units and it's just perfect. And then a reorg happens and it's a nightmare. And so this ability to monitor, maintain, and check when things are drifting out of OUs and baselines, et cetera, is super powerful. So think of it as a a much better way to manage your overall organizational structure, particularly at scale, than you had before. Well, when you put it that way, I mean, it's just one of those things that at some point, every single company is going to want to be able to use this. Very true. There's only two types of organizations, organizations that have been reorganized, organizations that are about to be reorganized. Love it. So true. All right. Another one from the Control Tower team is AWS Control Tower Account Factory for Terraform now allows you to customize the resources deployed and recorded by Account Factory for Terraform. And the last one in management and governance is CloudWatch Synthetics. It releases Node.js Puppeteer Runtime version 6.2, version 5.2, and Python Selenium Runtime version 2.1. A nice update in the world of media services. We're happy to announce libraries and tools for open job description. So this allows you to describe portable render jobs. The update includes a set of three Python libraries and tool packages, the OpenJD CLI, OpenJD Model, and OpenJD Sessions. The OpenJD CLI package gives you a CLI so you can use, develop, and run your OpenJD jobs on your own workstation and render farm, and the others help you with integration and management. The AWS ThinkBox deadline team designed OpenJD with current and emerging visual technologies in mind, so many graphics workloads will benefit from this capability. Let's talk quickly about migration and transfer. The AWS Transfer family now publishes events to Amazon EventBridge for SFTP, FTPS, and FTP servers, so you can manage your event notifications easily and automate all the things. And uh, automating things around SFTP and FTP is fun because you're kind of bringing the old world into the new and automation was not thought of back in those days. And AWS DataSync now supports manifests for transferring a specific set of files. Using manifests, you can decrease your task execution times by specifying only the files or objects that need to be processed by your task. Now onto networking and content delivery. So the AWS Application Load Balancer announces one-click WAF integrations. And this integration enables AWS WAF protections as a first line of defense against common web threats for your applications that use Application Load Balancer. You can still optionally configure additional protections like bot detection and fraud prevention for your applications from the AWS WAF console. Let's wrap up today with the topic of security, identity, and compliance. Amazon GuardDuty Runtime Monitoring protects clusters running in shared VPCs, so you can now protect your workloads against potential runtime-based threats, 
in that shared model. Amazon GuardDuty malware protection now supports scanning EBS managed key encrypted volumes. This is very, very cool. So now you can check those volumes that are encrypted with the EBS managed keys attached to EC2 instances and container workloads in addition to unencrypted ones. And you can configure it based upon GuardDuty networking-based findings, and you can initiate on-demand, lots and lots of capability. AWS Glue Data Catalog now supports delegating KMS key permissions to an IAM role. And AWS WAF announces capture improvements. So there is now support for audio capture in eight additional languages, a new capture type that improves usability, revocable API keys, and lots of other stuff. There's also a new capture puzzle as well. So all kinds of capturing. So lots of cool updates there today, Jillian. Uh, um, how do people reach out to you and follow up if they need to? Miss Jill Ford on X. And I would got to say your dog is adorable. And I think your dog <laughs> likes malware protection. He's anti-malware. When you started talking about guard duty, like your dog just kind of popped in the view and wanted to be featured. And he's so savage. So yes, that would be, yeah, a thing. And if you do want to give us feedback, AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it if you're the slow style like myself. And until next time, keep on building.